Who's first? Good morning, church. Okay. I'm going to share a little bit of uh, our journey. Um, many times we have shared the journey of my pregnancy, and as many of us know, it wasn't an easy one. From the first time we knew that I was expecting, we went through one complication after the other. With all the complications I had, I had the risk of losing the baby. I was put on bed rest for the first three months and had to be very careful all throughout the pregnancy with Ima. But in all things, I just want to give God all the glory and honor because the whole process of my pregnancy and birth makes me think that if it wasn't for God and for the opportunities he has been able to give to me, I may not have been alive today. In Uganda, many women die in childbirth and, and my complications could, have easily, could easily have led me to be another of those women. But through the support God has brought into my life, I'm able to have good medical care. The Bible verse that says all things happen for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose makes a lot of sense and made a lot of sense throughout the journey of my pregnancy and while I was giving birth and after giving birth to Ima. I'm so grateful to God for the medical care, the good doctors, and a blessing that I can be able to afford it. I'm also thankful to God for the wonderful family and friends who support us in prayer all the time. We could not have done it without each one of you and your emotional and physical, your emotional, finance, financial, and spiritual support. Thank you very much. So Agnes has um, just mainly talked about how God has carried us through the, uh, this pregnancy and the birth of Emanuela and how through all the health scares that Agnes had, both Agnes and Ima are now both doing very well and we thank God for that. I would just like to share a few points of reflection on what having children uh, with Ima but also Ethan has taught us and what God has, has taught us through this journey um, it has reminded us of the importance of family, that, I mean, there are many people that we should be discipling in this world, but um, discipleship really starts in the home, and one of the most important, some of the most important people we should disciple and lead in following Christ is our family. Uh, Agnes and I feel the importance of raising Ethan and Emma with a focus on Christ, uh, which is why we are here today to have Emma baptised. Another, another point is having children has helped us to see the wonder in the world. Um, this is uh, certainly with Ethan and no doubt with Emma as she grows up and gets older as well. But there is a way in when you get older that you can sometimes take things for granted. But children have a way of bringing out wonder in God's world again. Uh, we, are, we as humans are very good at experiencing things again through seeing someone else experience that thing for the first time. It's, it's almost like you get to live life a second time through your children. Um, so whether looking at a leaf or a blade of grass or a bird or feeding the ducks or reading a simple book, children um, has helped us to see God's world again as fascinating and beautiful. And uh, lastly, trusting in God. Uh, having children... Uh, gives us a massive sense of wanting to be a protector and a provider, um, rightfully so. Um, and the thought of bad things happening to our children is terrifying, so we rightfully do all we can to keep them safe and loved. But ultimately, we are not in control. Ultimately, we are not in control. 
And there are lots of scary things out in the world, um, not just a danger to us physically, but worse things that are dangerous spiritually that can lead us away. So having children is also a lesson in trust, trusting in God and relying on God to watch over our children, praying to him and entrusting our children's lives ultimately in God's hands, which is also why we come here for baptism today for Imma. We believe that God's great covenantal promises are for the believers and the believers' children. And we do pray and will pray that Emma will step into her own personal faith and we will do all we can to lead her that way. Um, but we rest in the promises that God gives us. This reminds me of a prayer that they called the grace in Uganda. And this is often repeated after a church service over there. And it comes from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Um, these were the first words that Emma heard when she was born that Agnes and I whispered into her ears. And it is a reminder of the covenant promises that God gives us and our children. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. Thanks, guys. Just stay there for a minute. We'll get Emma up in a minute. Just let me share a little bit... Um, about baptism and, you know, and um, Scripture calls Abraham the father of all believers and you pointed to the whole covenant thing yourself when you were sharing. And um, God gave Abraham a sign of his covenant, that, that promise, and, and, and that was circumcision. And he said to Abraham, you know, I'm making a, I'm, I'm making a promise to you and, and, your, and the generations to come. And that's a, a promise of grace. And, and to do that to, with his children, he was to, to bring his children in and that, they, that there would be a sign that they were part of the family. And God's grace is the same today and includes our children in his covenant with us. Scripture calls children of believers holy and, God promises, and God's promises are for them as well as for us. So we baptize our children. We um, affirm what God has already done in claiming them um, as his we use the sign or a sacrament, we like to call it, the, of baptism, um, of water baptism, just like God used symbols and signs with, um, with Abraham to remind ourselves of God's work in our lives and the life of our children. That they share in the sin that, that, we, that we have originated with Adam, even though the children aren't aware of it, but likewise they are received unaware into the grace of Christ. Our kids are in God's eyes family members. And, and this is a really cool thing about baptism that I, that I really like, and I've shared this a couple of times before. God, this is, baptism is God initiating. Agnes and, and, and Luke got Emma ready today and popped her in a nice little dress and, and got the family here and, and did all the preparation. But this was initiated way before they even woke up, way before Emma was even born. And this is God initiating and we're recognizing God's initiation today it's not us saying hey God here's Emmanuela we want to give her to you today please bless her we'll do our best to raise her right that's a good thing but that would still be us doing the initiating this however is God the God of heaven and earth saying this child is mine I planned her I wanted her that's why she was born that's why the pregnancy went the way it did I have a destiny for her, my grace is for her, and she belongs in the family. We're acknowledging that by presenting our children before the community, the family, and before God in recognition of his claim. And it's interesting when we talk about we're baptizing to the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When we say that, and when as a kid, and even as a teenager, I wonder what does that mean? What it simply means is when we're baptizing to the name of the Father, we recognize that initiating like he did with Abraham, he initiated. We're recognizing his grace that made the way open for us to be part of the covenant family. When we're baptized into the name of the Son, Jesus, we're recognizing that Jesus' death was to cleanse Emmanuela from every sin and that Jesus was activating the work of God in keeping her close to the family. And then when we're baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, that's the interesting one. That's the promise of God to stay with Emmanuela, that he would indwell us, that he would come and live in us, that he promised to be with Emmanuela and enable her to live as a family member. And like Luke shared, one day be able to say yes to God herself. 
And in every covenant, there's this promise, the, the promise from God, and there's the obligation from, from us, from those that receive the covenant. And Luke talked about that, the obligation to, to lead our kids into the way of God, to, to be an example for our kids, to help our kids to see what it's like to be a mature disciple, to follow Jesus. And to know that if times come and, and in weakness and we, we end up and we're led into sin, we can count on God's mercy and not continue in sin. Because baptism is a seal and a trustworthy testimony. And that's good news, isn't it? So I'm going to ask the little kids, all the kids to come up, because it's hard for the kids to see if they can't come up here. And maybe you guys can get Emanuela or bring Emanuela up. Come up here, kids, and some of you... How many of you guys remember your baptism? That's a bit of a trick question, isn't it? Some of you guys have probably got a butterfly up there. Did you know that? How many of you think that you might have a butterfly up there? I reckon you might. You know what? After the service, you could get your mum or your dad to take you up and show you where your butterfly is, if they remember where it is. But some of you got a butterfly up there. When we, we're gonna, have you seen Emanuela yet? How cute is she? Check her out. She's being really quiet, isn't she? We're going to baptise her today. And, and all that talking I was doing, we're going to say that she's not just part of Luke and Agnes's family and Ethan's sister. But we're going to say that she's part of our family, just like you are. That she gets to be part of our family, but not even just our family. She's now part of God's family, like you guys are. You're also part of God's family, a bigger family than that. And that's what we're going to do today. So, can you all see? Yeah? All right. Let's get Emanuela in here. Um, yep, and I'm going to give you this. Emmanuel Joy Vandenberg, I baptize you into the name of the Father, into the name of the Son, and into the name of the Holy Spirit. And as a family, we don't just get to sit there and watch this and think, oh, cute. She was so well behaved then, wasn't she? Wasn't she amazing? Did you hear anything? Did she complain at all? Not at all, did she? So, family, One Hope Community Church, do you promise to receive Emanuela into the family in love, to pray for her, to help care for her growing, her growing in faith and for her family? Do you promise to be a church that encourages Emanuela in a knowledge of God and the love that he has for his children? Do you promise to surround her and her family with Christian witness and example? What's your answer? Great. We are going to um, we're going to pray. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have you guys just step out there a little bit. We're actually going to pray as a community for you at the end of the service. So I'm going to get the kids. Kids, come up here. I want you to come around Luke and Agnes. Come on up. Come on up, all of you. Come around the back here as well, some of you. Right around. Let's, let's surround them right around them. And if you can get near them, you can lay your hands on them like this. And I'm going to pray. And you're going to, in your hearts, you're going to pray with us, okay? So get in nice and close. We're going to pray for baby Emanuela and for the family. All right? Close your eyes and we'll pray. Dear Jesus, we want to say thank you for Emanuela. We want to say thank you that she was born and that you gave her to Luke and Agnes and Ethan to be part of her family, their family. Lord, we want to say thank you for you. We want to thank you that you want her to be part of your family as well. And that today we got to see that. And God, would you bless her? Would you help her to grow strong and healthy and be a huge encouragement to the world that she lives in? In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Okay, now, we have this bear. You all know the baptism bear, right?
we got smart and we had some people sign this beforehand. I'm going to send it around. I'm going to start here. And just write a little something on it. Guys, you can go to Turbos if you want or Kinder Church. You guys can sit down. The youth band is going to um, do an item for Emanuela, a song that they wanted to perform for her. Cool. Yeah, it's just a tradition in our church to dedicate a song to the baby getting baptized. So this is a dedication to Emanuela. It's called Benediction by Josh Gurrells. your days shine brightly and your nights blessed with peace wherever you lay down to sleep and all things are made good for those who believe may you grow To a strong, fruitful tree As the days unfold Hold your breath to see Life is a mystery And the joy it is severe When the way is rough and steep love will make your days complete and may the work of your hands help those in need befriend the lonely serve the weak Find true love One day marry Bear a child From a seed Help it to grow Into a tree As the days unfold Hold your breath to see Life is a mystery Joy it is severe when the way is rough and steep. Love will make your ways complete. So you can actually encourage them if you want. I believe that's one of Luke's, um, one of your favourite musicians as well, Josh Gorell. Great. That's good. Thanks, guys. It's lovely. So we have, that was one celebration. The next celebration we have we celebrate that we have a family member stepping up to serve us in leadership, to selflessly serve and um, use his gifts for more than just himself, but offering them to the family. And, you know, many do that in our church. There's, there's so many people that use their gifts in, in this church and many leaders in all sorts of ways. Right now, our kids are out in Turbo Kids and in Kinder Church and Creche, and there are leaders leading them. There are leaders in our church. There are leaders that are leading Cavell Kitchen on, on Tuesdays, leaders that are leading different ministries, youth and young adults. So not everyone is leading in the leadership team, but 
Families need all kinds of different leaders for different things. You know, um, depending on gifts and, and depending on callings, when I was, um, strangely enough, um, most of you know that I'm a little bit of a car and a motorbike um, enthusiast, can you say? And so I was interested in that stuff from way, way... I would pull lawnmowers apart when I was 12 and put them back together, having all these parts left over, wondering, well, they weren't probably necessary anyway. But my brother had a car. His first car was an absolute disaster area and probably only started every second morning. And I was the only person in my family that had in. At 16 years old, I was repairing his car so he could get to uni in the mornings and getting it going. And so, you know, it made me think of that. There's different gifts in, in families when, when people step up to lead in areas where other people can't. And um, I was reminded of that this week. There was many mornings when I couldn't get it going and so I just pushed him down the road as well. And then left him when it got too hard to push. However, Mick has the gift of leadership and um, we recognise that God has given him that gift. Families need leadership. Um, families need leadership for the tough stuff, for, for great times. And we trust that God has called Mick to lead for this season. It benefits and grows us as a family to have leadership. It matures us and, and that's why it really fits with us talking about being a family and being mature and looking for ways to mature. Paul said this in Ephesians about leaders and teachers in the family and we've got a scripture up there for you. A bit of a long one, so read along with me. So Christ gave, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we won't any longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Paul uses a lot of words, doesn't he? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is ahead, that's Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's a long scripture, but what Paul is saying is that God gives us different kinds of leaders. God gives us leaders in all kinds of realms and places so that we can be mature, so that we can actually become mature disciples, so that we can become an effective family, so that we can grow in unity and so that we can, every person that does the work that they're called to do in the church can do that confidently, that it rises and falls on leadership. And there's something about a family and family members if you read that, if you think of what Paul's trying to say, there's something about a family and the members of the family not reaching their purpose unless we recognize leaders and their gifts. There's something about not attaining what we're called to attain if we don't recognize leaders and their gifts. If we don't allow ourselves to be led and to be taught in different levels of leadership. In the context of family, we submit to leaders. We, we get to mature and the family is built up and then the kingdom grows. So there's a real link between understanding how important leadership is and how important leadership is to us as people. We recognize it in all sorts of realms. We recognize it in, in, in any other part of the world that we're part of, in business or in medicine or at school. We understand that leadership is what we need to, uh, we need to grow and to mature under. And that's how the kingdom grows through the family of faith. We can, we can sing about it. We can, we can sing about the kingdom growing. We can pray about the kingdom growing. But if we don't allow leaders to equip us, we don't mature as disciples. And Jesus himself modeled this for us, didn't he? Jesus himself said, I'm submitted to the leadership of my father. What I'm here for and what I'm doing is in submission to the leadership of my father. He sent me. And then he led the disciples and called them to submission to him and that way the kingdom grew. So I'm going to invite Mick up and um, here he comes. This is not an unfamiliar place for Mick. So um, 
I'm just going to share a little bit about eldership and then and ask him a few questions and then ask us a few questions and then we'll, we'll um, let Mick um, share something for a couple of minutes. So we are privileged to recognise Mick as a leader that God has given us. We're thankful to those that serve and work amongst us as leaders. We are. We've recognised Michael's gifting and his calling to service as a leader and celebrate that as a family together this morning. Christ himself leads the church, but in doing so, he uses the services and the giftings of leaders, people in our midst. It's his design to work through the members of the body, the members of the family. We're all called to be prophets, priests and kings, but like any family, of course, there are some that are given special tasks. We see the love of Jesus in our leaders as they serve, and he equips them by his spirit with the gifts for their office. Through them, we're able to grow. As I was just sharing, we're able, to, we're able to grow in faith and mature and we're able to serve others and share the good news. So leaders and elders are to serve Christ yet do their work with the authority and dignity of Christ. Specifically, the office of elder has been in existence since the days of the apostles for a long time. Elders were appointed in each church. Everywhere that, that Paul went, every church he established and, and the disciples went, the, one of the first things they did was establish elders, appoint elders. The word urges respect for elders, whether they're charged with oversight and supervision or whether they're charged with teaching and preaching, whatever it is. Elders care for and watch the family. They're responsible to see that the family grows spiritually. They encourage the family members at whatever point they are. They're patient with the family. That was one for me and for us as leaders. They're patient with the family. They encourage good biblical teaching and instruction so that people will mature and grow. And elders also encourage the gospel going out to the world and the unsaved, urging the family to step up and out to that. When you listen to that, it's a big ask, isn't it? That's, that's a big job, you know? So we, we're expecting heaps from you now. No, we're not, that, it's a big ask and no one person can do that in their own strength, can they? So every elder must and leader must look to God and his indwelling presence and equipping of the Holy Spirit. So, Michael, let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you believe that you are being called by God to serve as an elder here at One Hope Community Church? Two, do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God and, that, and the way to salvation and the way to know and grow in God? Do you accept the confessional standards of this church as being in harmony with those scriptures? Do you promise to defend this gospel, to speak against injustice? to model to the church compassion, justice and peace? And three, do you promise to carry out your call faithfully, loving the family and living a life worthy of your calling? What's your answer? By the grace of God with all my heart. Great, we love that answer. For us as a family, I just talked about the family's response to leadership as well, didn't I? Do you receive Michael before God as your elder? Do you promise to receive his leadership, his instruction in love and obedience as he seeks to lead faithfully? Do you promise to pray for Michael and his family, to respect and honour him in his work and partner with him in the task of extending the kingdom? And that's the really important part, partnering with him, partnering with leaders to do the work of the kingdom. What's your answer? Great. We want to encourage you, Michael, as you join in leading our church as we, one hope, seek to be obedient to the call of God to grow as disciples, to care for the hurting and to reach the lost. Thank you for your willingness to serve God and us. We rejoice in you and your family as part of our family. So I'm just going to let you share for a moment if you want to. Uh, there we go. Thank you um, for having me back, I suppose. <laughs> um, I, um, yeah, obviously having done this role before, have some understanding of, of what's, what's involved and, um, yeah, I'm just greatly encouraged by your support, by leadership's um, uh, requesting me for the role and by you guys all affirming that. Um, I guess as um, the family analogy that we've been talking about today sort of comes through, um, I look at my own life as a parent, um, parent three young kids, six, eight and ten, by the way, the ages come down for when kids know more about their parents now oh, because, yeah, yeah, 13 is definitely not there. Um, but yeah, I just see that role and I talk to, um, 
I think between Jen and myself, we've kind of got the parenting thing under control, but we talk to parents of kids who are somewhat older, in the teen years and things, and yeah, okay, the challenges are probably yet to come, I think, there. But it's by God's grace that we continue in this. And as I step into this role too, I'm just so excited to be part of this church. I'm so excited to see, um, I love the family analogy of just people at different ages, different um, stages in their growth, and different stages of their walk, contributing and giving to the life of this church. Um, I have the privilege of being involved in the Turbos program, who's out there now. Um, just seeing the energy and the excitement that young kids in a church bring. Um, but <laughs> I'm explaining to my kids that I'm coming to do this, to, to be an elder today, and Sarah's first question to me was, Dad, will you still keep doing games? So which I will be to that. Um, and um, because I, I'm sure if the kids were here, they'd be cheering with that response. They're my biggest fans. But anyway, um, I, I just I love to serve in that way as well too. And I love I've loved my time being involved in the youth as well too. And I love how the young people can um, contribute to life. This church, as we've seen here in the youth band up the front, there's some really talented um, people up there, and it's just so great that as a body we can be brought um, together and lifted up in times of worship for what you guys do. Um, you won't see me up there. I'll stick to this stage. I won't quite make the step up. Um, I don't know, maybe in heaven we'll have a, I'll have that sort of gifting, but I certainly love the talent that you guys, um, that you guys bring. Um, so yeah, just once again, thank you, thank you to you all for the privilege um, that this brings. Thanks to Jen, my wife, for um, releasing me for this role as well too. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to serving in this way. We're going to pray for you later, so grab a seat now. We're going to pray at the end, or we're going to do a, um, a prayer thing. So, I said there was three celebrations, didn't I? And you're all looking forward to the last one. I know it. Finally, we have the opportunity to be a family in another way today. Today is our first fruits offering. We've been announcing it for a while. We, we do this every year. Joel spoke a little week, a, a little last week about how that worked back in, in the Bible times. God's people bought the first fruits of the harvest to ensure that the, the temple could operate and take care of its people and take care of the poor, um, take care of its workers. And they gave, the first fruits they gave not knowing if there would be enough for them. And they gave because they wanted to carry the responsibility of the family as members of the family. They understood that it wasn't a choice. It wasn't an optional, if you can, bring in the first fruits, or if you can, contribute. Or it wasn't a case of, well, let's let the rich and successful in society or in our family do it. They were part of the family, so they obeyed. And that's the context that we see it in, in the Old Testament. Each person did that. Whether you're a big crop man and you had hundreds of, of acres, if they had that in those days, and, and head of cattle, or whether you're a small crop man and you just had your market garden out the back. And it's a bit the same with us as a church family too, isn't it? This is my family. This is your family. And it matters that I take part. It matters that you take part in it. Whether you're a big earner, whether you're a small earner, whether you're older or whether you're younger, whether you're getting 20 bucks a week, 10 bucks a week, whether you're getting 100 bucks a week or whatever you're getting. Giving, being generous is important because it's remembering like the Israelites that it isn't ours anyway. It came from God. Now, I know we've heard that before and we hear that all the time, but it seriously does. Think about it. Callus says this, there's an interesting, he, said, he's, he makes this interesting comment when people object saying, you know, I earned it, I'm self-made, it's my money, why, why do I have to, you know, he says this and I've got it up there, if you have money, power and status today, it's due to the century and place in which you were born, to your talents and capacities and health, none of which you earned. In short, all your resources are in the end the gift of God. And he goes on in a message and he talks about there is no such person as a self-made person. You can say, well, I went to the best schools, I studied really hard, I worked really hard, I started the business or I, I did this and started my um, music from, from this small thing or I started my business from a small little shed and so I've earned it. 
But Keller makes a point and said, who made the decision that you would be born where you, where you were, into the family you were, the place you were? You could have worked really hard and gone to the best schools in the world and lived in Nepal and you still wouldn't be rich. You could work really hard and dig and dig and dig and be really industrious and be born in Africa and you still wouldn't be rich. No matter how much you study, go to the best schools, etc., or work hard there, you're not going to be rich. The point is, God decided where you were born. God decided what opportunities came your way. He gave you health. He gave you a family. You had no say in that. Geography, opportunity, and family, they were God's gift to you. It's interesting how he talks about that. So God, and he finishes, he says, God gets to ask whatever he wants from you. And you get to be obedient and respond in the place that he's put you, in the family that he's placed you. And it takes more and less sometimes. And sometimes you need to step up. I was thinking of this, you know, we, we all, most of us would say, you know, we're, we're tithing, we're, we're giving to the church and that's really great. And um, so how come we have to have a first fruits offering or why do we have to dig deeper? I can remember a time um, when I was... My first job, I worked at International Harvester. I was training as a spare parts interpreter. They didn't call it back then. They just called it a spare parts lackey, which is what it was. My take-home wage was $78.30. I'm giving away how old I am now. I already paid board. I gave my parents $10 a week board. How many people pay board here? Oh, the hand's not rising. I paid $10 a week board. My father worked at the SEC and that was uh, in, down in your lawn in the State Electricity Commission and he was, um, back then unions had quite a lot of power. The unions had a strike. My dad was on, in a strike for 11 weeks. I don't know how many of you might have remembered there was an 11-week strike. My father had the best garden he had ever had and it was necessary because they ran out of my money. My parents didn't have a whole lot of money. My brother was at, at college, at university studying, which they were very proud of. Um, and he was costing them a bit of money. So at that time, for that season, wasn't at the start of 11 weeks, but a few weeks in, I kept $10 a week because I was part of the family and we weren't making it. There were bills to be paid. Sometimes I kept 20 but I gave away. As soon as it was over, I didn't. I took it back again. But I kept. And there wasn't a real question about that. There's just this sense, well... We, mum didn't work, we needed, we needed to survive as a family. We needed to f fill the budget and we needed to um, make sure that we paid the bills. So I had to step up and I did, as well as fixing his car all the time. Keller also says this, Gener generosity is not about how much, it's defined by how it changes your life. If your giving doesn't change your life, doesn't make you have to adapt, then it isn't generosity. For some, $10 changes your life. And for some, it takes $100 or $1,000. Having said all this, it's not a burden and it shouldn't be a burden. I enjoy the benefits of this family and of my family at home, and I did. I enjoyed the benefits of my family when I was a teenager growing up. And I enjoy the benefits of this family, and I willingly carry the responsibility and burdens of the family too. And we know that in the first instance, we're not giving to man but to God. This is always one of the hardest topics to talk about in church, isn't it? Everybody sort of looks to the ground and thinks, do we have to talk about money? You know, yeah, we do sometimes. You know, we do because we're talking about mature disciples. And maturity, it's a spiritual discipline, generosity. It's hard to speak about. It's hard to trust that people will listen and not tune out with open hearts. But it would be disobedient of me and of us as leadership to ignore it as uncomfortable as it is. Paul talks about this. He takes two whole chapters in Corinthians to talk about giving. And um, I decided not to put the whole two chapters up for you to read. I decided to give you what I think are four things that come out of this that, that Paul tries to... There's lots of other little lessons and we had a good chat about one on Thursday in the office, but there's four things that, that Paul kind of points out in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, if you ever want to read that, when he talks to the church in Corinth. The first thing, you're not giving in the first instance to men, but to God. 
It's obedience and it matters. The second thing he's pointing out is you should be generous. He even compares churches. He says to the Corinthians, you know the Macedonian church, they're really poor. They don't have much and yet they gave way beyond their capacity and they're really generous and they're asking if they can give more. So he kind of even compares. You should be generous because God has been generous and will be. Paul talks about that. He talks about it, it's, it's a, as important a spiritual discipline as prayer, worship, serving and faith. The reason he gives the Corinthian church a hard time about it is not because he needs money because he wants money for his next journey. It's because he believes that if they don't, they're actually missing a spiritual discipline and he's doing it out of love. And the fourth thing he kind of points out, it causes you to grow and mature and others to praise God for your obedience, the obedience that matches the gospel that you preach. So without going into all the scriptures, when he's talking about the Corinthian church being generous and giving, that's what he's trying to say. He's doing it because he loves them. We have a privilege every year to do the same, to give generously to the family here, to the work of the kingdom that happens from here, close, right across the road, in the church, in our community further, and faraway places in Uganda and that. You, know, you heard um, when Agnes shared, you know, we take care of them financially as well in some senses, in, 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 a very in a very practical way. We're unable to do that because we're obedient to God. And it is a sign of spiritual maturity. You know, um, someone was sharing a story with me this week about growing up in a church many years ago and in the old days when they would put up, you know, four or five guys, it's apt for today because we had an elder, they put up four or five guys for eldership to see who they would choose for an elder and this one guy would always come up for elder but never ever get elected or never ever get voted and as a, a child this person said to their dad, hey, how come that guy, every time we have an elder vote, he, he comes up for elder vote, you know, so, but he never gets elected. And basically, uh, the, the, this person's father just sort of said, well, you know, we all know what he's like with money. He's a miser. He never helps out. He never helps out other people. He doesn't give. And quite frankly, he probably doesn't have the respect. It's a spiritual sign of spiritual maturity. And we're looking at traits of spiritual maturity. Perhaps you weren't here in the last few weeks or for some reason you hadn't heard, so you're not prepared. That is no problem at all. You can write a note and a pledge you can think and pray and consider, then send it through in the next week or so. But I am standing here, I am going to challenge each one of you as family members, junior to senior, wherever you are. There is no difference because it's not about the amount. To see that this family's resources are able to respond to everything that God has called us to and God has planned for us to do this year. And when I look at us, when I look at us as a church, when I drive into the driveway when I see us as people, when I visit us in our homes, seriously, I see no reason why we couldn't meet our ministry statement and be generous. I really can't. I'm going to pray and then we're going we're to do the First Roots offering. And as I said, if you didn't come prepared and you want to pop something on a piece of paper, just pop it in there and... Um, That'll be your pledge for the first fruits offering. And let's just pray that God blesses us through you and through me. God, we want to thank you for providing so much for us. We want to thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this and to, to give. We want to thank you that we can talk about money because it's one of the things that you gave us to work with on earth. We want to thank you that you've called us to be your family here, that you've shown us what we can do close by and abroad and far away. Lord, we want to expand that. We want to become uh, uh, greater at responding to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us in our hearts. Help us understand how we can contribute to this as part of the being in the family. Help us to understand what it means to mature in this as well. Lord, I confess that I find this hard sometimes. I like things. I like uh, control over the things that I have. I like to think that... Um, I'm taking care of, of my future and I like to think that um, I'd like to have something behind me. But I confess, Lord, that I often don't think of you as that something behind me and I want that to be true too.
And I pray that for each one of us. And I pray, Lord, that you would release um, the work of this church into the community, into the world through this as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's going to be just for two minutes or three minutes, there's going to be a little bit of music on. And then we uh, just come on up. If you've prepared, if you know, just come on up and drop something in the box. And then we'll um, finish off the service and we'll pray. I'm going to be the dam breaker here, guys. So. Are you hurting, broken, thin? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? We look forward to, um, to the year ahead in serving God in this. You know, family is many things. I think we've got one, the last slide up there, and, and this is the, the slide that, um, that we want to use to help us understand the family tree. Family is many things, and as we got to see today, but one thing it definitely is, it's called in so many ways, called from a small child to a leader to all of us contributing. We're called. Not only as a group, but also as individuals. We're called to this. You're called to the family. I'm called to the family. And not only about what we bring, but also about how we can mature. As with any family, there are ups and downs. Times that you love everyone, isn't it? And then there's times, well, you know, families are all over the place, aren't they? I can argue with my brother or sister or my kids. I can disagree Yet I love them, I will always serve them, because they're my family, and God gave them to me. And we find that so much easier to say about our biological family, but God gave us this family as well. It disciplines me, it teaches me, it grows me, and it stretches me. And I mature as a disciple of Christ because of all of you. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we get to celebrate baptisms. I'm thankful that we get to celebrate leaders, that we get to celebrate our kids when they do kids' services, that we get to celebrate Luke and Nangus when they're here and they can share with us. We celebrate what's happening in Uganda, in Rwanda, what's happening in Cavell Corner, what's happening in the homes that we visit. I'm thankful that we get to celebrate all that as a family. I'm thankful that we get to be part of that. And I'm thankful that every one of those steps grows me and grows you. Because I don't want to be the same at the end of this year as I was at the start of this year. We're going to pray this morning. And I wanted to do prayer in a different way. I wanted to pray for the three things. So I want to pray for Luke and Agnes and their family. And I'm going to get them to stand here. And I'm going to get some of us to gather around them. I wanted to pray for Mick. And I'm going to get him to stand over by the door there. And who's here from the resource team? Paul? Uh, anyone else from the resource team here today? Rob? 
I think Jim's away. I'm going to get the resource team guys to stand here next to the box and we're going to pray for them. They have to do something with this. I would love to do something with it, but it probably wouldn't be something you'd all like. They have to do something with this. They've got to make God's gift work and they do hard work to do that. So we're going to pray for them as well. So I'm going to get you guys to, to stand up there. Mick, can you stand over there? Resource guys, can you come here? And I'd like you to just keep your eye and gather around each one of the groups and just pray for the celebration that, that we uh, celebrated with those particular people today. I'm going to give us five minutes to do that and we're going to close with a worship song after that. So hop out, out of your seats and gather around one or two of those things and, and um, pray prayers of faith. God, we want to um, thank you as a church family for each one of these things and thank you that we get a chance to lay hands on them and to seek your blessing, to know your blessing. Lord, on new life, on Emma, as she, um, as she begins this life with, um, with Luke and Agnes and, and soon as they travel back to Uganda, Lord, we thank you for the blessing that she is to them as a family, to us as a family. And Lord, we, we thank you in advance in anticipation for the blessing she'll be to the family of God. We thank you for, for Mick. Lord, we thank you for uh, blessing him and blessing us through him. And, for his, and we pray that you'd continue to um, inspire him, equip him and anoint him for the task that you've given him. And Lord, we thank you as a family that we could, um, we could serve you and obey you this morning in generosity. Thank you for our resource team and the work that they do. Thank you, um, yeah, Lord, for the hard decisions that they have to make sometimes. And we pray that you would continue to inspire them and help them to see that they're growing us in maturity and that we're growing as we step up to this. Lord, we thank you that we're a family. We thank you that you're using this family to grow us closer to you. And we pray, Lord, these things, and we pray that you continue to work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.